I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Show. You know, it, it was a long time ago, Mink. <laughs> Not only you lost control of the show, I lost control of the show. This show's been out of control for so many years. It's incredible. I mean, I was brought back here to, to, to have control of this program, and, and look what has happened. Well, good morning to you, Mr. Miko. Oh. Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. And it is... You are the inspiration for Spanky and our gang starting us off with their 1967 song about Sunday never being the same because you are the one yeah. who came out with this statement that your sports update today started a new chapter in the history of WFAN. And of course, you're one of the originals from day one of WFAN, about to celebrate another anniversary as WFAN in two weeks' time will move into another milestone here and on July 1st. But the way that you characterized the lineup that debuts today on WFAN, I'd like you to share this with our listeners. <laughs> You know, no, we have a good lineup. You know, no particular name. You phrased the lineup as WFAN's Murderer's Row lineup. There we go. Now, that is power, Mink. That is absolute power. Those are your words. Well, you're the leadoff hitter. You know, there's a lot of responsibility with that. That's right. Because as a leadoff hitter... You get on base. One of the key things is to get on base. Then coming up behind me batting is a debut of a show. Starts at 7 this morning. May have heard some things about it. May have read some things about it. Talking golf. and Liguria, another original voice from WFAN, will be along talking golf, appropriately enough, here starting this Sunday morning after our 7 o'clock update on the fan. Then, of course, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge after 8. Ed Randall talks baseball after 9. And as you've mentioned, we've got coverage of the Yankees' old-timers' day festivities. Quite a day. Legendary 
and a brilliant programming move starting things off today like this, too. With this murderer's row lineup. Remember, you're the one who's <laughs> yeah, responsible for that name. <laughs> you are responsible for that. All right, I got to go. Well, we've got a I'm busy show deadline. today. We're with you now between 6 and 7 on uh, Sunday mornings. And good morning, everybody. I'm Bob Solter. Pleased to be joined from a technical direction today by Kara Ann Galanti. She's always one of our favorites to have here on uh, Sunday mornings. And in our show today, we're getting into an interesting area because, first of all, we have a guest who is joining us from uh, England. Her name is Rachel McClelland. Uh, Rachel has a very interesting background, and we're going to be talking about the consumption of meat in our program today. Uh, this is theoretically the last day of World Meat-Free Week. Now, some of you are thinking, Meat-Free Week, what's this all about? Rachel is joining us by phone on our program. First of all, Rachel, good morning and welcome to The Fan in New York. Good morning, Bob, and happy Father's Day to you and all the great men out there. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on our program. Your background is quite an interesting one because you've been an animal rights activist and environmentalist. But I introduced you by talking about this idea of World Meat-Free Week. We're theoretically at the last day of that. What's the significance of this designation? So... World Meat Free Week, to give you a little bit of background, was set up many years ago as a global initiative to highlight the link between meat production and consumption and climate change. And it's specifically with reference to intensive or factory farming, which is proving to be very unsustainable and very inefficient. And just to give you a little bit of data. There was a report published last week by Oxford University and they'd analysed uh, 40,000 farms and all, ang all aspects of the supply chain of meat um, and found that 83% of agricultural land is used for animal farming, but it only yields 18.18% of calories. So there's a big disconnect and you know just those, those figures demonstrate just how inefficient it actually is so world meat free week is about just saying to people if you cut down slightly and we're saying one meal a week you know we're not asking people to go vegetarian or vegan we absolutely don't expect that you know meat is inherent in our culture and has been for many years but just by going meat free for one week you can have a huge impact on the environment which will in turn lead to a sustained planet for future generations all right. What's been the reaction to even that idea being put forth? I mean, because you're not saying to people that, you know, you have to give up meat, um, cold turkey, no, no pun intended, uh, literally, <laughs> literally uh, on, the, on the spot. Um, what's been the feedback? Most people are kind of, oh, I don't understand. Hang on a minute. You know, nobody's been talking about this. And many people, once they do understand, are... Well, I can do that. Yeah, that sounds fine. You know, one meal a week, you know, years and years ago, post-war, we only ate meat once a week or whatever. So, it's, you know, it's only the last probably couple of decades that meat consumption has really shot up. Um, there are, you know, some meat eaters that are kind of, you know, don't tell me what to do, which completely understand and respect, you know, and it's kind of, yeah, I eat meat every day I, or I train a lot. I need it. 
But what we're saying is if you just swap it out and literally one meal a week, there are so many plant-based alternatives and lots of brand alternatives. Um, and it's actually really interesting and quite exciting to experiment with new foods and new tastes. So generally, the feedback's been very positive indeed. All right. Now, in introducing you, I said you have an interesting background because among the things that you've done, you've worked in the entertainment uh, industry. How did you get into um, the kind of work that you're doing today, both as an activist in animal rights and also environmental work? Yeah, so I was working in feature films and music videos and worked with some amazing artists, very well-known global names. And um, I'd done a couple of really good jobs that had gone brilliantly. And then we came to one project which basically turned into a complete nightmare and the third party responsible for paying my company didn't end up paying us so i basically it was it was a big budget project and i basically lost everything so my business and personal finances completely crashed and burned um and this led to me well i plunged into depression essentially and had a really horrific time um, you know, went to my local GP. We're really fortunate in, in England, as you know, we've got a health system which is free for the most part. Um, but our GPs are under a lot of pressure. So you kind of get a 10 minute slot. And unfortunately, GPs are, are having to reach to for medication. And my whole thing was, no, I don't want to take medication. I really want to get to the root cause of this. That was right for me. It's not right for everybody, obviously. Um, but it, it just, it really was the, one of the worst times of my life. And it got to the point, you know, I had bailiffs knocking on my door because I was literally had no money to pay uh, council taxes and things like that. Um, and that once I came out, I started to come out of that. I, I saw a psychotherapist who was absolutely amazing. And I was referred to the psychotherapist by my, um, by my doctor who knew that I wasn't going to take the medication he wanted to give me. Um, and it took a long time to come out of it, but I, I had a bit of a realization and I started thinking, you know, what's my purpose in life? I, I want to do something that matters. And, um, and ultimately that led, I started doing a lot of writing and I write a blog, The Beautiful Life, which is all about ethical living. And I then slowly started to combine the journalism and filmmaking with the causes, you know, environmentalism and animal welfare, etc., that I'm really passionate about. And that led to the World Meat Free Week project. So it's been a real blessing. I've been very lucky indeed. And when you've done the work that you have with World Meat Free Week, I mean, what is, what's the hope that, I guess, comes out of this? Because this is obviously intended to be something more than just a seven-day effort. Absolutely. You know, this, you know, this week is just the start of it. We're hoping that, I think once you plant that seed in people's conscience, they do start to think about it. I know I do. Um, and once you learn about things, um, you know, knowledge is power and all that. So we hope that people will look into it more and actually understand that one person can really make a tangible difference. For example, we've got quite a bit of scientific data. So if one person goes meat-free just for one meal, they can save the carbon equivalent of boiling the kettle 388 times. 
And if the whole of America goes meat-free just for one meal, you can save the carbon equivalent of the energy it takes to power 110,000 households for a full year. So actually, we really can make a difference because all over the last few years, so often I've heard people saying, oh, well, I can't make a difference. One, one person's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things. But one person really can. And that's the exciting thing about it. Okay. So we hope that, sorry. I want to <laughs> so, yeah, so well, we, follow with you on a, a number of different areas. Also, give a way for folks who are listening to us to get more information on some of the things that you're talking about. Let's take a pause in our discussion with Rachel McClellan on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. A lot more to get to with her Stick right where you are. And good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Rachel McClelland on our program. We're with you up until 7 this morning. Uh, Rachel, as I mentioned, as background, uh, having worked in the entertainment industry, uh, she's an animal rights activist and environmentalist. She's joined us here at the end of World Meat Free Week and talking about the significance of that. Uh, for people who are interested in perhaps finding out more about um some of the things that you're talking about today. Is there any sort of an online resource where they can go? Yes. So the website is worldmeatfreeweek.com. And on there is loads of information about this link between meat production and consumption and climate change. There are really useful articles um, and blogs about things like how to make sure you get enough protein if you do reduce meat intake. Um, and there are loads of recipes. There are downloads. Um, so there's um, a seven-day meal plan uh, which features uh, three meals a day. So you can download that as well. So it's really useful. You know, as you said that, I'm thinking that is one of the key things because most people want convenience, okay? And they sometimes are resistant when they think that things are going to become too complicated. But it sounds like you've almost thought this through for them. Yes, definitely. And I think these days there are so many quick and easy meat replacement options um, I know in the States there are, well, we here we have corn, which I know you have in the States as well. So my go-to backup meal is fishless fingers, <laughs> which are really good. And I know over there you've got Beyond Meat, which do, I, I tried one of their burgers actually whilst I was in Texas where we were filming uh, two or three months ago. So it really is easy. But also, if you want to go more whole food, which obviously is the, is, is a great option, um, you know, it, it is actually quite easy. And just with a little bit of preparation and a bit of planning, you can make the most amazing meals. And it does seem, I, I know when we're all so busy, it's it, nobody can be bothered trying something new and having to go shopping for specific ingredients. But actually, by adopting a, a, a more of a perhaps a vegetarian diet or just reducing meat it opens up a whole world of different tastes and textures and I think also by planning meals we then do cook more and we do cook more whole foods um, you know I know a diet which is rich in vegetables is rich in fiber and folic acid and vitamin c and e and lots of phytochemicals and the knock-on effect of that is a reduced risk of various cancers and heart disease and diabetes and obesity. So, and, and that's just with redu reducing meat. Um, you know, if you recall 
back in 2015, the World Health Organization said, well, recommended that we reduce red meat, especially processed meats, uh, which are categorized as a group one carcinogenic, you know. So, so it's win-win for everybody. And like I said earlier, we're not saying to people, you must cut meat out. We would never do that. That's, you know, that's just not the right way forward. Um, but it's this, just this notion of one meal a week, you know, that really can have a, an amazing personal and environmental impact. Now, I'd be remiss if I also did not ask you, because some of the people who are listening to our discussion today will think, well, wait a minute, what exactly does Rachel eat? <laughs> uh, well, I'm plant-based, so I was, in fact, I was brought up in a Northern England working-class family, so we ate loads of meat, so everything from lamb chops to meatballs to fried spam, um, we ate it, you know, um, and I went vegetarian from being about 17. But over the years, I did eat bits of chicken and fish. And then I went vegan a couple of years ago. And and I'm, I'm, I'm really loving it. Now, and don't get me wrong, it was quite a transition, you know, and I did from time to time eat some scrambled egg or something because I thought, God, I don't feel like I'm getting enough protein. Um, but now I so now I'm kind of I make a lot of things, so I basically make everything that we would normally have as meat eaters, so lasagnas and quesadilla and pasta dishes. So I make all sorts of different cuisines, um, but using things like chickpeas and cashew nuts and black beans, all of which have loads of protein in them. And it probably sounds like really boring hippie food, <laughs> but, <laughs> but with, some, with some great herbs and spices and, some, and a bit of experimentation, it is actually amazing what you can do. I, I make this thing, this cashew cream, which is what I use instead of cheese in a quesadilla. And I actually, don't get me wrong, when I used to come to New York a lot, I used to go straight to the Mexican for my chicken quesadilla. I used to love them. But I actually prefer this vegan version of a quesadilla that I've now kind of created and adapted. So really varied. And obviously, vegetables are seasonal. So every season, there are new things to try and experiment with. So it's lots of fun. Okay, because you just raised an interesting point that often comes up with um, when people are in any sort of, um, you know, very often people get into these uh, diet plans, um, and as a result, when they travel, they're then in kind of a quandary, okay? Um, yeah. When you travel, how do you, I guess, also meet the needs of what you're trying to maintain when you're home? Yeah, I mean... Traveling is hard. It's a lot easier, probably just this last six months or year, because there are lots of um, key brands who are now selling vegan sandwiches and stuff, you know. Um, so that makes it a lot easier. But, um, you know, I tend to make sure I've got a bag of nuts in my bag, in my purse, um, so that I know I can get instant energy and protein. Um, you know, I eat lots of fruit, dried fruit. So, and I always have some chocolate with me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I always have a block of dark chocolate for instant sugar and energy. Um, so it is difficult. And, you know, I would say to anybody who decides to reduce meat slightly, don't be hard on yourself. You know, if you're really busy and you're traveling and it's just impossible and you're just kind of, I'm just going to grab that burger. 
that's fine because if you're just thinking about it and you're thinking, I am going to reduce meat just slightly and maybe introduce new meals and new types of vegetables to my children or whatever, I really applaud that. Any effort should be really applauded. But at the same time, if you lapse, then that's absolutely fine because we're human. And, and as I alluded to earlier, meat culture has been inherent in our, in the human uh, way of life for thousands of years. So there's no overnight fix and overnight change, but, you know, it's just one tiny step at a time, you know. We're talking with Rachel McClellan, McClellan on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. Ann Liguori is talking what golf uh, debuts after our 7 o'clock update on uh, WFAN. Now, one of the things that I've been thinking about, too, you've alluded to this, is this idea of the link between uh, meat production and climate change. Is there a way that you can um, kind of break that down for folks who are listening to us? Because some people may hear that and think, well, wait a minute, is this going to be something that's very complex and difficult to understand? Yes. So I'll just to go back quickly to one of the first stats that I mentioned, and then I'll just explain a little in a little bit more detail. So 83% of the world's agricultural land is used for animal farming, but that only yields 18, 1-8% of calories. So, so the, the calories attrib- attributed to the food that that yields. Now, in addition to that sort of inefficient use of land, meat production is responsible for 14.5% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is about the same as the global transport system. So over the years, you know, governments and environmental organizations have talked a lot about transport and about the terrible impact it's having, but actually meat production is having the same sort of impact. Um, and on top of that, 80% of tropical deforestation stems from agriculture, and farming also uses 70% of the world's freshwater resources. So we're putting this massive burden on the earth, and we're not really reaping the, re- the rewards in terms of the food we're getting from it. And if you consider that by about 2050, we're going to have about another 2 billion people on the planet and they're all going to need food and nourishment. And already, according to the United Nations this year, we have over 800 million people suffering from chronic undernourishment. There is going to be an awful lot more people suffering from starvation and there's going to be more of a burden on the earth. And that's how critical it is. We're talking 20, 30, 40 years time when our children and grandchildren are needing to use the Earth's resources and they simply won't be there in a plentiful enough supply to sustain the human race. So it really is an urgent issue that needs, you know, that we need to act upon. All right. Now you've led perfectly to my question. Do you think, and I'm usually a cynic with things, Rachel, do you think most people really care? <laughs> Very good question. Uh, well, you know, it is so easy to disassociate and to live our lives and to just think, oh, I'm just going to have this bacon sandwich or I'm just going to have this steak or oh, I'm just going to jump in my car to the local shop. It doesn't matter, you know. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm guilty of it. We all are. We all take these shortcuts because we're really busy and, you know, we, we've evolved as a human race 
um, and we do just kind of put ourselves first. Um, I hope that people start to think a little bit about it and actually start to bring it down to a personal level because this will impact every people who are, you know, the sort of me, I'm middle-aged, you know, middle-aged people, our children are going to be directly impacted by this. I mean, we're already seeing impact, you know, because of climate change and all sorts of horrific weather issues that are going on. But, you know, in a few years' time, the children, the people we leave behind are going to be in a real predicament, you know, and it's okay not caring and it's okay just kind of switching off from it. But is it not empowering to know that we can make a difference? And this goes back to, you know, finding a purpose in life and the notion that altruism is scientifically proven to to positively impact how happy we are. So just doing a little bit of something, whether it's cutting meat out once a week, whether it's helping a local environmental group or or something completely different. You know, if you're helping people, it's good for your own mental health as well as well as the people and, and the planet, you know, the people around you and the planet. So surely, even if people don't care, maybe just think about that level of selfishness and think, oh, actually, it might make me feel good, though, if I do a little bit of something to help. And also the whole idea, because an undercurrent to what you're saying is the idea of thinking about the future, thinking about something more than just today. Yes, exactly. Yes. And just to add, I'm sure there are people thinking, yes, but what about farmers? You know, there are, we have these, we have millions of farms around the world. And what you're saying is basically going to, you know, close them all overnight. But actually it isn't because, we have to be very sympathetic and empathetic towards the farming community. You know, they are the suppliers and they were the innovators for many years, you know, in in the supply of food. Um, So we have to find a way of working with them to, for example, use their land to yield more food. So, for example, one acre of land will yield 250 pounds of beef but it could otherwise, if suitable for um, arable farming, it could otherwise yield fifty thousand pounds of potatoes or fifty thousand pounds of tomatoes. Um, so we need to perhaps look at new innovations and work with farmers to to find new business models. You know, and actually there are so many new opportunities arising, um, and it might bring about more sustainable business systems for the farmers so that they're not under these constant pressures and having to rely on governmental subsidies, you know. So there's a lot of positivity around this as well. It's a new way of thinking and a new approach, um, which, quite frankly, lots of times that's usually a welcome change also. Rachel McClelland is talking with us this hour of our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. I'm Bob Salter. We'll have more with Rachel as we continue in our discussion. Just a reminder that after our 7 o'clock update, it is the debut of Talking Golf with Anne Liguori. Uh, That program is long after our 7 o'clock update this Sunday morning right here on The Fan. I'm Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Rachel McClelland on our program this Sunday morning. Rachel is an environmentalist and an animal rights activist. She's been talking with us about World Meat Free Week and uh, sharing some thoughts on uh, this uh, topic of uh, meat consumption and also talking a little bit about the relationship of that with uh, climate change as well. A couple of thoughts that I've had 
throughout our discussion, one of them uh, gets into this idea of what it is that you would say to somebody who's of the belief, and they're somebody who falls in the category of being a meat eater, who says that what you're talking about is not that person's responsibility. Yeah, so um, as a former meat eater, I completely understand why people want to eat meat and, you know, that it is very much inherent in our culture. So I totally respect that. Um, But I think we are at such a critical stage in terms of the planet and the fact that at the moment it's so severely damaged um, that it's pretty urgent that we act and do something about it. So we're not saying stop eating meat. We're just saying we should all, as a human race, be accountable and be a little bit responsible. And, you know, we take and take and take from the earth. And it's we just need to balance that a little bit and just give a little bit back. Um, and, you know, if only to leave a legacy for the next generation and the generation after and so on. Um, And, you know, and it is so powerful, the impact that one person can have. Um, You know, it's kind of a case of if, you know, we shot five films all over the world and we encountered ranchers and butchers and they've all embarked on this new lifestyle because they've realized they've had a bit of an awakening and thought, gosh, um, you know, actually, I can make a difference and I'm going to do that. And we're not asking people to go to the extremes that some of these people that we encountered went to. But we're just simply saying, cut out meat once a week. It's better for your health and it's better for the environment. And it will, you know, almost result Well, it will result in the planet being there for your children and grandchildren. Going all over the world, filming like you have been. What would you say? stood out as, let's say, the top one or two highlights of that experience? Oh, going to Texas. I went to, we went to, we filmed on a ranch, um, Rowdy Girl, in Texas. Okay, we, and, we had done an interview, um, actually, a little over a year ago, with, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's, was it Renee King? Renee, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, talking about Rowdy Girl. So some of the people listening to us may remember that discussion. But what was that experience like? Oh, gosh, I had a complete awakening at their ranch. They are very genuine, um, incredibly kind people, Renee and Tommy. And just hearing a bit of the history, you know, Tommy's from a multi-generational family of ranchers. And to make this make a stand and to actually think i can't do this any longer renee is a bit more about the ethical and the animal rights reasons as as i am myself and tommy's reasoning was health and environmental um but to in the heart of ranch land to make that stand and turn your ranch into a sanctuary and um, you know to put yourself at risk like that in the face of adversity because you can imagine what their contemporaries were thinking about it and all the other ranchers in the area and to do that I just thought these people are just incredible and they're so humble with it and I thought you know if ranchers can do that anyone can and until I went there 
I was still, I'd gone vegan, but, you know, as I said earlier, I was still, every now and then I'd have a bit of cheese or egg. And when I went there and I was with Tommy and Renee and all their animals, I, I just had a complete awakening and thought, I can't, I'm never going to consume anything that comes from an animal again, which I know is extreme, you know, compared to what, how we've been brought up generally. Um, but for me, it was, I completely found my peace in life and I'm, I feel more at peace now in my life than I ever have. And um, so for me, it was the, it was one of the best days of my life. Isn't that a tough thing to do to never consume anything that comes from an animal again? Um, yes, it is. Um, it's not for me now because obviously I've been thinking about this for years and years and, you know, it's, I work in this area, so I see what happens and I understand about the animal welfare implications, etc. Um, so it is a tough thing to do. But then somebody actually said to me, um, well, if you're going to eat a bit of cheese, think about, you know, is the taste of that bit of cheese more important than the suffering of the animal and what happens to the environment as a result? And I was kind of, wow, yeah, that's very powerful. Um, so for me, it's, you know, I, I was brought up, my, I've always been, well, my best friend was a dog from being about the age of two. So I've always loved animals. So I guess it was a lot easier for me. But I experienced challenges and, and difficulties too. So yes, for a fervent meat eater who is, you know, steak most days or all kinds of different meat, it is difficult, you know. But I think these days there are so many alternative options, meat replacement meals, etc. Um, and there are, you know, lot, there's so much information out there as well about how to make sure you have a healthy, balanced diet if you do reduce or cut out meat. Um, so it is a lot easier and it is just about give yourself a little bit of time and, you know, don't be hard on yourself if you do decide to reduce ever so slightly. Um, but it is a lot easier these days. And on a global level, what do we need to do? What needs to be done to really, I guess, in a way, uh, kind of explode the message that you're trying to get out? It's down to us individual people, you know, it's, it's, we are the only people who can really save our planet. You know, we can't rely on government to do so simply because governments have so many different things to deal with. And I think, unfortunately, over the last few years, governments have been, have, they've sort of ticked their environmental awareness box through highlighting things like plastics and air pollution, uh, because I think the, it's a, the, the whole notion of meat production and climate change is quite a fragile area for government to enter into because, you know, there are, that they are, I think it's very much in, in, entwined with um, politics and, and the farming industry. Um, you know, I know certainly in the EU, uh, we still offer farm subsidies to, um, you know, all the farmers here. So, um, so unfortunately, we can't rely on government to push this message out there. Hopefully that will change. Um, but people power, we can achieve so much. We can actually change the world, you know. Um, and that, to me, is just so empowering to know that I can personally make a difference. And if you make a tiny difference, you talk about it. So you share those ideas with your friends and they share them with their friends. And before you know it, you've actually probably positively impacted or influenced hundreds and hundreds of people. So I think that's just incredible.
the people that you met while doing the films in many cases are doing extraordinary things for yes. some of the people who are listening to us they you know may at times get kind of intimidated because it's kind of a thing of well what could i really do well you know i think as i mentioned earlier literally just cutting out meat once a week you will make a massive difference and that's amazing that's exactly what we want people to do through this world meat free week campaign and onwards you know i mean we've encountered Yes, we've encountered some incredible people, but they, they are only just people. They're, you know, they're just like you and me. You know, for example, we um, filmed with um, a butcher in Australia, James, who was working as a butcher, and he'd watched some films over a few months um, about uh, animal welfare and, and plant-based living, etc., and thought, you know, gosh, I don't feel comfortable doing this anymore and he couldn't leave his job because he had a young family and he was constantly trying to balance what what he was thinking and what he was doing on a daily basis and he's overnight he sort of decided no I'm going to go vegan so he went vegan carried on working as a butcher for a few months and now he's just in the process of changing his job and sort of starting a new life really uh and he's just a regular australian guy really lovely very down to earth um, but he's just started this thing and this little idea in his head has actually caused or, or has actually resulted in this lifestyle shift which is really great um and we, we also met um luke an athlete in singapore who was um a very unhealthy child suffering from obesity and his dad was always at the gym so Luke started going to the gym with his dad. And when he was an adult, he was training loads, eating a kilo of meat every day. And then he started doing some research and understanding about the link between meat and climate change, etc. And so he went, uh, he, he went plant-based overnight as well. And now he's a really quite well-known athlete and very healthy and very dedicated. Um, you know, and it's just, I think as humans, we are capable of so much and, and yes, any sort of change is hard. Change is scary. Um, but, you know, we're not asking people to change overnight or to do anything huge. It's literally one meal. So, so tonight, if people listening to the show just choose a meat-free meal, and as I say, there's loads of inspiration on the website, but just tonight you can make a huge difference. Okay, would you repeat the web address that you mentioned earlier? Yes www.worldmeatfreeweek.com Okay, so that's World Meat Free Week, and that's done all as one word, dot com. We're talking yeah, with Rachel, all... Rachel McClelland on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. I'll just mention the fact that after our 7 o'clock update, it is Anne Liguori's Talking Golf that debuts here on The Fan. Now, Rachel, when we're talking about the efforts of World Meat Free Week, and we look at this period of time after today, okay, because the week officially mm -hmm. ends today. How can people continue this effort? What can they well, do to continue it? Well, literally, just decide one day a week to go meat-free, you know, or just one meal a week. So, and there are so many resources out there now. There's, lo As I said earlier, there's loads of recipes 
uh, on the World Meat Free Week website. And there are countless bloggers and uh, people on social media who um, offer useful recipes. There's loads of um, video recipes available. So it's really easy. Um, but I think in terms of carrying on, I just read up on it, you know, understand it a little bit. And, you know, it's a lot to take in, you know, and we're not asking people to dramatically change their lifestyle overnight. But it's just a gradual thing. Just sort of try to read a little bit about it and understand it and and know that as everyday people can really make a difference to the world. With the various things that you've been involved in in your life, as you've explained earlier uh, to us, you know, whether it was your work in the entertainment industry, the activism with animal rights and the environment, when you look back on your life, what do you want to be remembered? What do you want to feel you have achieved? I want to know that I've made a difference to the planet and all of the animals. I want to know that I've helped bring about a better, more peaceful world, which is more about equality for all species. And making a difference, literally, as you've explained throughout our discussion, can start with one person. Yes, completely. It is something that's definitely possible. A very interesting discussion with our guest on our program on the fan this Sunday morning, Rachel McClelland, as I mentioned, and her background has worked in the entertainment industry. She's been an animal rights activist and environmentalist and has shared information with us talking about this topic of World Meat Free Week, which officially uh, ends today, World Meat Free Week. That's all this one word, dot com, is the uh, website. There's lots of information there, including information on some alternatives to uh, meat consumption uh, and some information along the lines of some of the things that Rachel has shared with us in uh, our discussion, uh, too. It's one thought with you that I didn't ask earlier, and some of the people listening may think of this. With your move to lessen meat consumption, what do you do around the holidays? Uh, me personally? Mm-hmm. Um, around the holidays? Um, I just, well, it's all plant-based food that I eat anyway, and it's delicious, so I always have, my, our Christmas uh, lunch is a um, a butternut squash mushroom and chestnut wellington with loads of roast potatoes, loads of gravy, and it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> that sounds good. Now it's I'm getting really hung- good. Now I'm getting hungry. Okay. All right. <laughs> are you going to go meat free tonight, Bob? You know, I think I am going to try this. All right. Rachel, amazing. you've provided me with the right kind of inspiration. Thank you very much for joining us on our program and sharing this information, too. We do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. You have Have a great day. Have a great day as well. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 